Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Athena Dixon, a co-host of the New Books and Poetry podcast via the New Books Network. Today, we're speaking with Shakira Kochi about her collection, Leave It Raw. Shakira Kochi's poetry translations have appeared in Babel magazine, and her poetry has been featured in several literary magazines and journals, including the New Ohio Review, Silvermidge Press, HIV Here and Now, Transactions, Ducks, Pioneer Town, Permafrost Magazine, and Shark Reef. She was a featured reader in the Boundless Tales reading series, and she was a finalist in the Linda Flowers Literary Awards competition. Croce holds a Bachelor of Arts from Sarah Lawrence College and a Master's in Public Administration from Pace University. Born in Geneva, New York in 1987, she grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, and later studied in Florence, Italy. She currently works at New York City as Assistant Director of Communications and Public Relations at New York's largest Medicaid special needs health plan, Amita Care. She lives with her husband, son, and two cats in Brooklyn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Athena. Thanks so much for having me. So I usually, when I talk to people, my first conversation with them starts with how they came to be writers in their respective genres. So asking a little bit about how you came to be a writer, how um, the journey brought you to this point. So if you would, could you share with the listeners a little bit of a brief history about your writing journey and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, um, I, I always loved reading at a very young age um, and kind of gravitated towards writing as a creative form of expression. That was just something I always enjoyed doing. Um, I first kind of moved towards nonfiction writing um, in my like public school years and through high school and even my first um, bit in college, I went to Sarah Lawrence, and they're um, really well known for cultivating writing skills. Like almost all of their classes are a writing class, and really focused on these big conference projects, um, long papers instead of exams. So, I um, I really loved research and writing, and I wanted to be a journalist for a while. Um, and then, kind of when I was choosing my career path. Um, I also was very into activism and social justice issues. Um, so I kind of wanted to use my writing as a activist tool. So I went more the communications, public relations route um, instead of journalism, even though um, it's really important work, what journalists are doing um, now, especially um, I just kind of felt like I had more, freedom to um, delve into some of the issues that I really felt strongly about. Um, so I, my professional work kind of went towards um, PR writing and helping not for profits um, do what they do. And it was kind of at that time that I almost, I always kind of, you know, was reading and interested in poetry and fiction and all of that. But um, it was almost after college when I was, my whole, you know, nine to five job was this nonfiction public relations writing that I really found myself drawn to poetry as a way of creative expression and reflection just on what was going on in 
my life and what I was, you know, observing in the world around me. So do you think that in some way, now that you kind of have like a writing life that exists professionally and one that exists creatively, if there is like a bridge or a balance between those two, do you see kind of any filtering between the two worlds? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it was someone who said like the key to bringing a great writer is being a sharp observer, like taking what you're seeing, um, and picking things out and putting it on paper. Um, so I, a lot of my creative writing, not all of it, a lot of it's very, um, personal, but, um, it also does definitely bridge my professional world, um, and just current events happening around me. So, as you're kind of approaching the page, I'm interested to know kind of how you find your footing in your work, because I imagine that I'm a person as well that has like a completely separate, like writing life outside of the creative life. Mm-hmm. So how do you make that like shift? Are there any kind of things that bring you to the page or how do you find the footing in your creative work when it's not like the whole of what how you spend your writing time? Mm-hmm. I've tried to, it's, it's a lot of practice, like a healthy one of my healthy practices that I try to do is just sit down and I won't necessarily have a plan or a thought of what I want to write. I, I'd say that has almost very rarely happened where I think of something that or an idea that I really want to get down on paper, but just sitting myself down for however long, um, whenever I have time um, and just seeing what comes to mind to, to start with. And it might be a really vivid image that I noticed or something that happened to me. It could even be years ago, a memory that came up or a piece of a conversation that I was in. And I'll just, you know, kind of start there. And then then I'll go back <laughs> and look at what, you know, what came out of my initial thoughts and, and, you know, develop it from there. And it's definitely a lot of editing and piecing together. But I have kind of like worked one poem at a time um, in the same way, like I'll have an idea or an image and just kind of keep developing that and editing things out and then going back to it a long time after and seeing if there's anything else, you know, that comes to me that I think would add to the piece. Um, So that's kind of been my my process is just to make sure I at least am thinking creatively and writing um, as much as I can. So you mentioned uh, a few moments ago about your writing being very personal. And I'm interested to know, was there a decision at any point that you consciously made um, to write poetry versus writing like memoir? Or was there kind of like just always a natural inkling for you to go down the road of poetry versus another genre? Mm-hmm. I almost, um, through college, it, I actually explored more of the nonfiction. I took a couple of um, memoir writing classes. And then I just, I'm not sure why I gravitated more towards poetry or made that shift. Um, I also studied um, music during college. I'm, I play flute. So that's you know another kind of more creative right even think of it as like a romantic outlet um so it was just it was just something when i sat down to write i just found myself writing poetry or that i found myself going towards more of that like as being a way to express myself creatively versus the um the more cookie cutter nonfiction or my, my marketing communications work that I was doing during the day, I kind of felt like that fulfilled my um, heavily nonfiction or prose work. And then, but I kind of felt like my creative writing part wasn't really being fulfilled as much. 
So I have to tell you, congratulations, that this is your actual debut collection, correct? Yes, thank you. So I'm interested to kind of, before we get into the specifics of the book, is, is to have a little bit of a conversation about the process of the book itself, because I think sometimes by the time people get to knowing about the book, like it's the book only and the process of the book may get lost in the shuffle. Um, so could you give us a little bit of an idea of like what your process was for pulling together the collection, how long it took and maybe what the catalyst was for you deciding to make a collection? Yeah. So this was definitely a long time in the works. It goes back from to some of my earliest writing, my earliest um, poems, um, which was you know shortly after college in my early 20s up through um, now I'm in my early 30s. And so I went through my single life, you know, falling in love um, and early pregnancy is what this, um, this book entails. So it's definitely like a, a kind of bookended period of my life. And I kind of, it's the poems do kind of almost go in that order. The first poem happens to be one of the earlier ones I wrote. Um, it's called Blue Ridge Mountain Runaway. And I was leaving home in Northeast Georgia and kind of finding my footing, um, in New York city and also just reflecting on my, um, my practice with music and how important that was to me. And then uh, cycle is the last poem in the book. And that, um, I wrote that right around the time that I, um, found out I was pregnant with my son. So it, um, so I actually put together this, uh, I've always had in mind that I wanted to publish a collection. I had been, you know, publishing, individual poems before then. Um, and then, you know, it's just very hard to find, especially the editing space when you're doing the nine to five every day. But, um, when I was on maternity leave, I didn't have the, (laughs) the, um, the work nine to five every day. And it was definitely hard to think creatively with the lack of sleep. So I, um, I took the opportunity when the baby was napping to kind of sift through my work from the past eight or eight plus years and, um, and put together this collection and put it together in a, you know, kind of a narrative arc that I think makes sense, um, can kind of trace the development of, um, I, it's mainly written in a woman's voice. Um, and you can kind of trace her development throughout the collection. Um, so, so I put it together during maternity leave, did some research around, you know, where to submit. And that was my big project. (laughs) I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes there's this idea that like a writer's life looks like a very specific thing. And often you don't hear people saying like, I wrote this book or compiled this book on breaks and lunches and when people were sleeping and, mm-hmm. and having this very specific time that you have to work. So I'm glad to hear you say that. And I think also it's a testament of your talent because the book itself is, it's actually really, really beautiful. Um, so I wanted to ask you about a few specific elements about your book. And one of them is, I think that you have an amazing way of imbuing place and setting into your work. And so as I was reading, I was kind of like jotting down notes and I thought that everything seemed to be steeped in this sense of longing or waiting for a storm, kind of like almost mm-hmm. like the world's on the cusp of something. Mm-hmm. And I think that you accomplish that by like your imagery, that it's such a beautiful immersion for readers. And I wanted to know if you could speak a little bit about how you approach the page when it comes to crafting images or how you determine the focal points of the individual pieces. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, uh, the, no, that's true. The natural world, I think I've, I've always like been fascinated with nature and then living in and around New York City. I'm just always trying to be outside as much as possible and take walks. And I've just always wanted to get out. So a lot of um, a lot of what I might observe or when I come and sit down and start my poem for the day would start with one of those pieces of nature that I might have observed, like whether it's a trail of ants going around a trunk. And I kind of connected that to my pregnancy at the time, um, going around the trunk of a tree, um, or, you know, other animals that you might see, um, and, and then, or taking a walk and noting from like a few years ago, if I was, um, when I was in Italy, taking this like amazing walk around this cliff, which was where kind of my ancestors, um, had been and smelling all these wild flower smells and mixed with the sea. And then it's just very, um, very inspiring and something I kind of often start, start with is observing the natural world. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would, that's absolutely a, a big part, um, part of my work and something I always find inspiration in. Uh, I want. I, it's funny you say actually um, with the piece about things being on the cusp of a storm. I actually didn't include one poem in this collection. I think it was like too heavily focused on the storm, but it was kind of about um, you know a woman sitting in the middle of a field as a hurricane was about to start, and um, I ended up not including it. I felt like it was too much focused on the storm and not other aspects of life. But it's definitely again like something I. I always feel strongly like the forces of nature and how they impact um, impact us. So your bio mentions that you were born in Geneva, New York, and currently live in Brooklyn, and you've also lived in Italy. And I was interested to know, do you find that those individual places, because I imagine that they are all markedly different when it comes to life and, and pace of living and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Did you find that there was any difference on kind of the, the way you approached writing or the things that you wrote when you were in those individual places? And did any of that really filter into the book itself? Yeah, a lot. I mean, I wrote most of this when I was um, living in New York City. So it was kind of maybe more pieced together of memories from other places. But you can definitely see through the collection. Um, like my my home in Georgia had I we were in a house fire and luckily everyone was fine. But um, the home was a, a total loss. So the second poem of the book is called The Remains. And that kind of um, it has that house fire as kind of a backdrop to the poem. Um, but it's also kind of about insecurity, feeling of loneliness and possibly leaving home or, or wanting to leave. Um, and, and then throughout the book too, I mean, Italy is such a, it's saturation of the senses in the best of ways, um, from obviously food and, um, just the scenery is just amazing. Um, and that's where my, um, grandparents immigrated from. So, um, so I have some family there that I visited and that's just kind of 
something that definitely filters through some of my work, um, just images from and the be- seeing the beauty of life. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of um, the New York City images also do come through and traveling, spending a lot of time on subways and, and um, buses and that type of thing and being saturated with the senses and other ways of being kind of squeezed in with, um, with a lot of bodies and a lot of energy that way. I'm glad that you brought up um, the idea of the subway because that's what I was thinking when I was reading On a Familiar Ride. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like reading the book and balancing the remains versus On a Familiar Ride. And so seeing both like the rural and the urban mm-hmm. and even finding that in such like hustle and bustle and chaos of like a city, you can still find like this intimacy awesome. in your work. Mm-hmm. And so you also in your work have like these beautiful images, like at the end of the piece Prelude, you write to save it from a quiet crumble. And it kind of struck me that that was part of what anchored me into your book is that there is such a softness woven through everything, but there's still very much the idea or the possibility of ruin or breaking. Or breaking. Mm-hmm. So even in a piece like Break from the Headlines, there is violence mm-hmm. in that piece, but it's still handled with a very deft hand. So I wanted to know if you could speak a little bit about how you approach creating tension in your work. Um, is that intentional or are there certain things that you you focus on in order to create that tension without making it um, too heavy handed? Yeah, um, at the I mean, current events, it's, it's something I do. I read a lot of the news every day and break from the headlines was kind of influenced by a lot of police violence that was happening. Um, and coupled with that, though, I had kind of, I think, sat down when I they were bringing down a, a line of trees in the neighborhood and just the, the strength of those trees and the anger and sadness that, um, that you kind of feel witnessing something like that. Um, and just, you know, these uniformed people coming down and just kind of laying ruin the, uh, to, to ruin what happened on the street. Um, so yeah, I could maybe read, um, read a piece of that. Um, like when they're starting to, to starting to cut down the trees, um, since readying the blade, they struck quickly bark splattered towards the others leaning back with the weight of their bodies until metal hit the core. Without a pause, they cut in deeper. When louder than a gunshot, the first fell. The next one, younger, dropped faster. Too many to count splintered and collapsed down the pavement like thunder. Then a hush, save for the toddler, who no one heard had been wailing. It was then the mother realized a tear had broken from her lower lashes, running to rest on her cheek. She had been out there with the others in the cold and was too too numb to notice. So, yeah, I mean, I guess just kind of coming, not necessarily to acceptance, but um, to a place of moving forward in life, I guess I kind of go back to a gentler, um, gentler side or kind of, you know, thinking about how I'm going to move forward and my, my own son's future. I guess that's kind of where that approach might come from. I think, too, that I would be interested in hearing from you. Like, you obviously do a job that is very kind of like non-poetic day to day. And then you have a very clear poetic life as well. So with everything that's kind of happening in the in the nation and the world at large right now, do you think that um, creative work such as poetry is giving people the more a, a better opportunity or a better entry into kind of like digesting everything that's going on um, as maybe even a buffer 
to like kind of like the starkness of the violence and kind of like the ruin that's currently happening. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope so. Um, I hope, you know, more and more people read and are inspired to read. I know in the poetry community, there's more and more women's voices, more um, voices from people of color, which is so important compared to um, historically what's, you know, what the main voices have been. So I have a great hope that um, poetry and other other forms of writing are um are going to steer you know people who who are are conscious think thinkers um towards a a better world for sure um i think one of the things that inspired me to do what i do during the day but also um just also in my poetic work is it's like you never know who's going to read what you are doing or who's going to be influenced by what you've what i've done um in my professional life and it's like if one person can have a shift of consciousness or think of something differently um for the better then that kind of makes it all worth it so yeah i think too in the collection um there is like this very clear sense of women not only being a healing force in the world but also the strength and humanness of it as well um but i think that you also do an excellent job of layering in transgressions against women um, and pieces such as I've left time for questions at the end and departure mm-hmm. and that you handle those again in a way that's not sensational and it's mm-hmm. not exploitive. Um, and I wanted to know, how do you feel um, about giving voice to women's experiences through the collection and finding a way to to own it versus it being just like a retelling? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's unfortunately that kind of not direct violence, but like, as we've seen with the meat. To movement, um, just so many women, uh, if not all women, women experience some form of um, of violence towards themselves, just just for the fact that they're um, they're women moving through life and especially navigating the professional world. Um, so I, I think it was just kind of always been a backdrop and just kind of wanting to 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 get the story, you know, a story out there. It's not, you know necessarily all of what um what someone is but it's it's important to talk about um and and for people to recognize and see it as a a bit of of this person's journey um whatever aggression might have happened is kind of and not necessarily tried but it just so happened that it worked itself into some of these pieces i like the idea of um there's a poem in the collection titled venus out on the town and I read it a couple of times. And the first time I read it, my, my first thought was, this is like a seduction. And then I went back and read it again. And I was like, it's a seduction, but I think it's a seduction on the man's part. And then I finally settled on the idea that it was the speaker of that poem was both casting a spell and being under a spell at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it created an interesting power dynamic to see womanhood operating within the roles expected of it, but also finding power within that structure Mm-hmm. Um, which how the, the speaker at the end is like wholly paid attention to something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that, especially in this day and age with the Me Too movement, with um, writers of color and, and other marginalized people having a, a bigger voice, that art and the people who create the art are now not necessarily trying to dismantle the structures that have always been placed upon them, but they're trying to find ways to implode them from the inside, if you will. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, work from work from the inside. Yeah, it's um, definitely what some people choose to do for sure. It's one strategy. Um, it's kind of like it's like being a sound in the town is kind of structured as a conversation between two people, but it's obvious that it's from the woman's perspective and just kind of people think talking um, past each other and and you know she's he's obviously not listening to her and she's using you know her power to have whatever amusement um or at least some drinks um <laughs> for the evening um at, but yeah there's a, a certain thing of like objectifying um each other almost and but using that to like whatever it is to get through the night maybe or um or whatever it, it could be um yeah, it's it kind of the the poem starts out with yes, you may buy me a drink. It's been a long week for me too. At work trading, you said no, you haven't had much experience in social enterprise. And it isn't it great we live in a country where you and your partners can pull such fine bootstraps. Yet one of the brightest stars in the night. Yes, I've been told I have a nice smile among other things. So yeah, it kind of goes in that a little sarcastically. And she's obviously thinking um, in her own mind a bit about where she wants to go. Um, and then she you know, gets up at the end of the poem um, after having her full of probably free drinks and um, and goes after a, another guy. So um, yeah, so that was, it was a fun, more fun kind of poem to write um, and a little bit different of format from the others in this collection. So I'm happy you liked it. I think too, in addition to that poem, there are also other elements of like light in the book because I know we've like gone into some very kind of heavy topics, but there's like a piece that's very placeful and I found seductive, a piece like our song, mm-hmm. which I think um, it spotlights emotion without being like saccharine sweet. It, it showcases kind of like these like minute moments of life that are sometimes the most important. So I wanted to know kind of like how you decided to include elements of relationships and by extension motherhood into the collection. Yeah. Um, our song actually came out of me thinking about my work with people living with HIV um, and the HIV epidemics history. So like a very heavy subject, but just, I mean, so many, um, so many in that community or, you know, the LGBT community and um, people have seen Pose or (laughs) one of those shows, like it's just a very like uplifting um, or a lot, a lot of it as with any, um, as with anything, just like a very uplifting, like light community, love dancing and um, going out and, you know, seeing, seeing things in the city, seeing life and connecting with people. Um, So I think that's a big part of it is like the human connection. Um, That might be why I think the the idea of motherhood and starting to be a new mother was something that filtered through a lot of my piece because that's such a strong human connection and comes with such, you know, positive energy and just approaches whatever horror might be in the world around you with love. So, yeah. I also wanted to ask you um, about the piece broadcasting the search for the missing um, because it was a departure from the form in the other portions of the book. And can you speak a little bit about how that poem came to be and kind of why the form was necessary for its content? Yeah, I think I was, I had done a bit of traveling uh, recently. So it's kind of 
takes place partially in an airport and someone going on a plane. Um, there was a news report of a um, of a missing person, and then also there's there's just this um, amazing idea or um, this amazing sport, I guess you call it, um, of free diving, where people go to these um, amazing locations and they just dive with sometimes with weights or sometimes without any just as far down as they can go like hundreds of feet um without any scuba gear or anything and then go back up and obviously very dangerous so um so it's kind of that feeling of falling um that that gave me the end end of travel and air travel water travel what the human body can or can't do and how um how what the limitations might be so that made me kind of experiment with the form of the poem and kind of give um hopefully give the reader a sense of that uncertainty loneliness feeling of um of being midair in the middle of water above you and beneath you so i have a couple of more questions for you is there a particular poem in the collection that you hold close to your hearts and if so why is that um it's I. They're all very close to me. I think I've all I've spent a long time on each of these poems. Like kind of yeah, again like picking an image um, or something that I've started each poem with and just worked 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 at it. Um, the last poem in the book cycle I think is very close to me, but that could be um, because of the point I at I'm at now with a one and a half year old son, and I wrote it you know shortly before my. Um, or during my pregnancy. So, and it's about, you know, about motherhood and um, steps to, you know, just thinking forward and, and backward to, to, um, you know, great women figures in my own life um, who've influenced me. So that's, that's, I think the one that sticks out to me is something that's very close to my heart right now. And are you currently working on any new projects or do you have anything in the works that you want our listeners to know about? Yeah, well, I'm always writing, so hopefully stay tuned for some more um, poems that I'll be um, releasing on um, in different literary magazines. Um, but this was, this was a big yeah, collection that I'm really proud of and um, can find the book on Finishing Line Press's website or um, Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, and then I'm very, again, active in the um, not-for-profit and um, and access to healthcare scenes. So I hope everyone stays tuned with getting out to vote, I guess would be the other big takeaway. <laughs> yeah. And can they find you on social media? Yeah, they can connect with me on Facebook. Um, and my email is shakira at shakirakrochi.com. And my final question, what are you currently reading? That's a good one. Um, I would have to say, number one, the New York Times. That would be like an everyday thing. Um, and obviously a lot of kids' books. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I've kind of been revisiting um, Alda Marini. She's an Italian poet, and I, I've worked on translating a couple of her poems Um but her work is really amazing and done in Italian. And it's, it's just an interesting while my son is developing language and learning, um, learning language to go back to, cause I, I learned Italian, um, but I'm not a hundred, hundred percent fluent, but kind of like different ways of framing words and how that might trigger different things in your mind is always, um, always really interesting. So yeah, I'm reading some of her poems. 
Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm Athena Dixon, a co-host of the New Books and Poetry via the New Books Network. Thank you.